I, I don't know if you guys know, it was uh, for uh, a lot of our kids, it was spring break uh, this week. And so I hope you guys, those of you that had a spring break, I hope it was a good spring break. Uh, I hope it was a break uh, for some of you parents. It was, uh, it was double duty and, uh, and God bless you. And, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's good to be worshiping with you guys this morning. We got some of our elementary kids in here uh, today as, I would say guests, man, but you guys aren't guests. Y'all are, y'all are legit, straight up church members of Four Corners Church. And, uh, but I'm glad you guys are in here with us and uh, coming to big church. Anybody in here grow up, uh, you, you're an adult now, at least by age, and... You, you grew up going to church, and, and you called church with the adults. You called it big church. Anybody, anybody ever call it big church? All right, good. I, I did that. And sometimes we, would, we wouldn't have children's church. We'd go to big church, or sometimes somebody in children's church would get in trouble. And it was, it was, the, it was the other kids, and then they would get sent to big church. And I just want you guys to know, y'all aren't in trouble this morning, but y'all are in big church, and I'm glad that you guys are here. It is, uh, it's an honor to have y'all here. I, I, I love, um, uh, Lindsay and I did ministry for uh, kids and teenagers for a long time before we came and planted Four Corners Church, and so uh, we have a very, very soft heart, soft spot in our heart uh, for those young in faith. So, hey, a couple of announcements before we dig into our series this morning. Uh, the first one is uh, we have Next Steps. Next Steps is really exactly how it sounds. It's just the on-ramp to Four Corners. If you want to uh, know a little bit more about Four Corners, how you can get connected, how you can get involved, uh, how, where, where we even started, how we began, how old the church is, what is the vision, what's the idea of where we're going, uh, Next Steps would be the, the thing to do. It's next week, immediately following the service um, used to be two sessions, just one, one session uh, right after church. It includes lunch. So if you're hungry, you can show up hungry. We're going to feed you. And then if you got kids that need to be taken care of, we'll also have child care also for that. But that's next week. If, if you're new uh, or been coming for a while and, and want to uh, get involved here at Four Corners, I want to encourage you to come to Next Steps. And then the other one is this, is uh, we have Easter. Uh, Easter Sunday is coming up in, I think, two, three weeks Three weeks, and it's going to be uh, fun, exciting, uh, awesome morning. It's Easter. I mean, I, look, you guys, <laughs> I don't know if y'all recognized it or not when y'all came in, but this is church, and uh, welcome to church. And so now that you are here, every Sunday is a big day. I guess every day is a, is, is a big day. I mean, I mean, this is the day the Lord has made. I mean, if we want to go start, go start quoting some scripture here, every day is God's day. But Sunday, we get to get together and we get to look at each other and be like, hey, man, I, it's so good to be here and worship Jesus with you. And, but Easter Sunday, man, Easter Sunday is like, man, it's like the deal. It's the deal. And so we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday. Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's the only reason we get to be in this space today is because Jesus uh, is resurrected and is still resurrected and is still going around resurrecting people all the time. A lot of you in here, your soul has been resurrected because of what Jesus has done. You're, you're, the old's gone, the new's here. You're a new person, a new creation. And so Easter Sunday is going to be here a couple weeks. I'm excited about it. We have uh, two services that day. Right now we've had, actually, we've been a church now for three years, and we've had uh, our church Service time has been 10.30 across the board. Have we ever done it? We've done 10.30 across the board. All right. So Easter Sunday, we'll have two services because all you guys keep showing up and then bringing people. So we're going to have to have two services on Easter Sunday. And, um, 
And uh, those times are 9 and, and 10.30, 9 and 10.30, and um, we're looking forward to it. All right, we are in a series called Giving Up. We're talking about how to make space for God's best. Anybody want God's best in your life? I want God's best in my life. Anybody want God's best in your family? What about at work? What about at home? What about just anywhere? I just want God's best. We want to, we're talking about how, to, how do we make space for God's best. How many of you want God's best, even if it means... That there's a trade-off. you got to give something up. And you're like, well, what's the trade-off? What am I giving up? And so this morning, we're going to talk about giving up appearances. Giving up appearances. Everybody say appearances. appearances. All right. John chapter 9, the gospel according to John, beginning in chapter 9. Jesus, uh, it begins here. It's a story about Jesus. As he went along, as Jesus went along, He saw a man blind from birth. Everybody say birth. Birth. It's a big deal. So his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So I don't know if you all know, that's not a totally fair question. A little bit of assumption going on here. So clearly there's sin involved. Which one was it, this guy or his parents? So Jesus says, verse 3, Verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and then put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and then he came home seeing. And so he comes home, and people are starting to notice, and his neighbors and some of the other fellow beggars pay attention, and they start this argument. And they're like, that's, that was the guy that was blind from birth. And other people are like, no, that's not him. It's a different person. That can't be him. And, and so it turns into such a thing. They go and they get the Pharisees, the, the, the teachers, the le- uh, teachers of the law, And they say, they bring the Pharisees over. So the Pharisees are confused also. Verse 16, it says, Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, talking about Jesus, for he does not keep the Sabbath. He healed a guy on the Sabbath. But others asked, Well, how can a a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. (laughs) The man replied, I think he's a prophet. And they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. So the man's parents come over, blind man's parents come over, and the Pharisees ask them, verse 20, we know he's our son. This is their response. The parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he sees now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Why don't you ask him? He is of age. He'll speak for himself. And so his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided anybody who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Being put out of the synagogue was a big deal. Uh, You might as well get up and move to a different city. Your your entire community now was taken away from you. And so that was why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. And so this is crazy. This is wild. They, they, don't, they don't want to get kicked out of, the, out of the synagogue, so they put all the pressure back on the son. And so he's like, okay, thanks, Mom and Dad. Appreciate that. And so they ask him again, so, so, so tell us, Pharisees, tell us exactly how this happened again. And so the blind man, who's no longer blind, we still don't know his name, he says, look, 
I, look, I don't, I, don't, I don't know all the details of, of how this happened. I know that the man's name was Jesus. And all I know is this. I once was blind, but now I see. And so then the blind man goes, you keep asking me these questions. I guess, do you want to be some of his disciples? Well, the Pharisees get angry, and they're frustrated with, with the blind man, and so they flip out, and they go, they, they go, no, 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 kick him out of the synagogue. And that's where we are, verse 34. It says, to this they replied, you know what? You were steeped in sin at birth. And then we go back to the beginning. You were steeped in sin at birth because we could, we, could see, we could see what was wrong with you. We saw on the outside, obviously, there were issues. And so that must mean you were steeped in sin at birth. So don't lecture us. And they threw him out. Everybody's so concerned about appearances, about how the blind man was healed and, and who did it and, 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 and if it was done properly, all so that they missed the main point. Here it is. He can see now. He sees. He didn't see, and now he sees. A blind man from birth is healed. This has never happened before. They even say it in that, in that text. This has never happened before. And they miss it because it looked different. It wasn't dressed right. It didn't have the, the right outside. The miracle didn't pass the appearance test. And so this morning, I want to talk about giving up appearances. Giving up appearances. Anybody ever heard the phrase, keeping up appearances? Keeping up, keeping up appearances. Keeping up appearances just means, it would mean, you know, pretending like nothing is wrong. I'm just going to keep up appearances. Something's wrong. I'm pretending like nothing's wrong. You know, you keep going out with your crew every weekend, even though you've racked up so much, you know, credit card debt, it's all the way up to your eyeballs. But you don't want to tell anybody because you're keeping up, you know, appearances. And so, you know, the, the, the parents are, are getting divorced and they want to act like everything is normal, you know, for the kids. And so they're keeping up appearances. You know, the Titanic is sinking and there's not enough lifeboats and the band goes out on the deck and just plays music while everybody quietly drowns. They're keeping up appearances. So February 9th, 2009 was a day that changed us all. You guys remember February 9th, 2009? Y'all having a hard time going back? That was the day that... Uh, Facebook added the like button. <laughs> added the like button. We, 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 we might not think it's much, but it has completely reoriented our society's understanding of itself. But, but before they added the like button, it was cool if a couple people would go on your wall and you know, you know, post a few things. Have you, ever, have you ever gone back to 2006, 2007? And, and read any of your things that you posted back then? Anybody, anybody, anybody ever had a, a Facebook back then? Well, I, I, I've done that. I've gone back and looked. I don't even know who that person is anymore. It wasn't me. I can tell you that. <laughs> but now we create posts in order that people will comment or people will like or heart or, or, or whatever. It, the, 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 the reason we even do it is to get people to respond. The, the like button added performance and appearance to life itself. It's really something that's never happened like this on this scale in all of, in all of human history. And, the, and, and this somehow has bled into how we even practice our faith or, or don't practice it. And so really, nothing has changed. Appearances are everything. 
And you and I can't live in an appearance-oriented culture and then just take those clothes off and then walk into church. We're, we're, we live in it. We're saturated in it. And that's why we see, uh, that, that's what we see in this passage with the Pharisees, that everything they did was to keep up appearances, and they missed the miracle because it didn't look right. The, the, the problem is that there's very little about how God works that is, that is fancy or sanitary. They're just, I mean, he just spit on the ground and mixed it with dirt and put it on the guy's face. That was Jesus. All hail King Jesus. We just, we just rocked that one a few minutes ago. There's very little that is fancy or sanitary about God. Most of God's most powerful works are in the most honest, rawest, earthiest of places. But somehow we can follow the same slippery slope of the Pharisees thinking that God requires pristine conditions, perfect, pristine canvas in order to do his work. So we put on our, our Sunday best and we put on our Sunday faces and we walk in here we're just cheesing, everything's good, everything's nice or Oh, we say things like we get in church, we go, well, I don't, you know, we don't lie in church. I don't lie in church. Well, I don't run in church. Anybody heard of, I don't run in church? That's old school right there. Or, no, 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 I can't say that. I don't cuss in church. Anybody ever said that? I'm just kidding. Don't put your hand up. And I, I, you know, I, I don't, not in, not in church. Or, man, you're lucky I'm in church. You're lucky I'm in church right now. Jesus, here's what's crazy. Jesus doesn't live at church. So it doesn't matter doesn't really matter where you're at. If you're going to run or you're lie or, or, or cuss, just do it. Jesus doesn't live in church. If we're not careful, we'll sanitize Jesus so much, our biggest fear will become that I don't have the right clothes for church rather than asking the question, do I care more about keeping up appearances and what others think of me than the condition of my heart before God? So it doesn't mean... Instead of keeping up appearances that we just, you know, we just need for Jesus to become our homeboy, you know, just me, just buddy up, buddy up with Jesus. The opposite of, of sanitary Jesus isn't casual Jesus. We, we don't move over to casual Jesus. There's nothing casual about Jesus or even really familiar about Jesus. The opposite of sanitary Jesus is, is healing Jesus. It's restoring Jesus. It's, it's, it's bring, we, we bring Jesus into dark places in order to bring light. We don't hide Jesus from dark places so he won't get offended. You don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about Jesus getting offended. Jesus was, Jesus was in the world, but he was not of the world. He didn't hide from the world. He was sent into the world. In other words... He isn't afraid of your brokenness or your sin or your shame or your secrets, your loss. He isn't offended by your addictions or your anger problem or your sexuality or your failure or your bankruptcy. If you can't bring all of yourself to Jesus Christ to heal, then you can't bring any of yourself to Jesus to heal. You can bring all of it. So we bring 
All of it. You know, you want to know where Jesus did most of his ministry? Most of his ministry. Not only was it not in a church, it was not in orderly sanitary places. Jesus, um, Jesus healed a guy uh, that was, there was demon-possessed in a graveyard. Anybody ever just strolling through a graveyard before? Just catching up on old conversations with friends? He's just in a graveyard. He, he, uh, he's on the roadside with a, with a man born blind, and he spits in the mud, makes his own mud pie. You, got, you kids listening to that one? Yeah. He's, he's on the road with a woman, and he meets who's been bleeding for 12 years. He's, he's at a cheating tax collector's house. No, nobody likes a tax collector back then. I, look, if you're a tax collector now, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, that's not about you. I'm just saying. I mean, I love you. Man, we're coming close to April 15th, don't we? That's sensitive. Jesus goes to the tax collector's house. He goes to a well with a woman who has the worst reputation in town. It's just, just she and Jesus. He goes to a community pool that's surrounded by sick people. Imagine going down to the neighborhood pool and it looks more like an emergency room with a bunch of sick people all around. That's where, that's where Jesus is hanging out. Jesus, his reputation was as a drunkard and a glutton. Do you think he cared what the religious leaders said about him? You, you think he, you, he cared about that? They weren't helping. They weren't healing. They were calling down from their temple roofs, throwing judgment on everybody. So here's the question this morning. How smooth and elegant does your life need to be in order for Jesus to meet you? How sanitary does your life have to be in order for Jesus to meet you? From what I can tell, it doesn't really matter whether smooth or rough. He'll meet just about anybody that's looking. And it's usually the ones that are at the end of their rope that are looking. And so the opposite of, of giving up appearances isn't sloppiness. It's not a, it's not a don't care attitude. It's not a, it's not a what, what, what will be will be attitude. It's not a lack of care or a lack of concern. It's not just saying how you feel and then, or, 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 or barfing every emotion you have on, on other people every time you have it. Instead, giving up appearances has more to do with honest, authentic, congruent living. It has to do with removing the mask and all the things that keep you from seeing what Jesus is doing. If, if putting on a mask and keeping up appearances creates distance from what God wants to do in my life, then giving up appearances puts me in a position to live an honest life. Honest life is not, you know, well, this is me, just deal with it. That's, that's, that's not an honest life. It isn't the attitude of, you know, this is how I am, take it or leave it. An, an honest life is a life lived where the inside of, you, of who you are Matches the outside of who you are. All, all the while, you're obeying the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. With all, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. It's not, it's not perfectionism. Perfection, perfectionism really at its core is about trying to earn approval and acceptance. Matthew 5, in the message translation, says this. Jesus says, you're blessed... Actually, when you're at the end of your rope, 
Because with less of you, there's more of God in his rule. That's where Jesus meets us. And so when we give up our appearances, we bring our whole life to God, and there actually is an exchange that takes place. And so this morning, if we're talking about rejecting the pressure and the headwinds of culture to keep up appearances, to continue to, to, to post the posts and to smile the smiles and to keep the, the reputation intact and, no, oh, everything's, everything's fine. Everything's dandy. I'm good. It's all... If, if there's an exchange of, rather than keeping up appearances but giving up appearances, there, there's an exchange that we can look at. So if you're taking notes this morning, I've got three exchanges that occur when we are giving up appearances. The first one is this. We give up appearances in exchange for genuine, authentic relationships. So the blind man is healed. His neighbors and his fellow beggars don't know what's going on, so they kind of reject him. The Pharisees take him and they kick him out of the synagogue which, by the way, basically means he's rejected out of all of community. And so he's, he's there, he's healed, but he's alone. He's healed, but he's alone. He's having the greatest day of his life and the worst day of his life all on the same day. Think about the greatest day of your life that you can remember. Think back, maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was today. Maybe you're like, it was actually today, Joel. Today's the greatest day of my life. I came to Four Corners, and it's my first time, and it's just I didn't realize how awesome this place was. Or think about the greatest day, and now think about the worst day of your life. Think about the worst day of your life. Now put those two together. That's what this guy is having. He's lost everything and everybody, and yet at the same time, he's gained something he's never had. Imagine you've never been able to see before in your entire life. Imagine something incredible happening. When something incredible happens to you, what's the first thing that you do? You, 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 you tend to go tell somebody. You're going to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. I got I to. Or when something terrible happens, what do you do? I got to tell somebody. He, there's nobody to tell. There's nobody there. It's the greatest day and the worst day of his life. John chapter 9, verse 35. He's just strolling along. Nobody is around. And Jesus hears that they had thrown him out. Isn't that like Jesus? Somebody's having the worst day of their life, and Jesus hears a little little rumor going around. They've kicked him out. And when he found him, because that's what Jesus does, he finds people. Jesus came, his purpose, his mission was to seek and save the lost. So here he is, seeking and saving the lost. When he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, tell me that I might believe in him. And Jesus said, well, you've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So Jesus comes and he finds him. He gains his sight, but he's lost every relationship he's ever had. And so Jesus introduces him to new life, and then just like Jesus would do to his community, his ragtag, motley crew of disciples and his community. Sometimes when we get real with Christ, when we are introduced into a freedom we've never known That can happen while at the same time losing other relationships that we thought were precious. 
You can, you can have both happen at the same time. In other words, the people that should have been the happiest for you and for your healing and for your freedom actually are upset because you've gone and upset how things were going. You don't do the same things you used to do. You don't act the same way you used to act. How you're at work and how maybe even you are at home, all of a sudden you are a new healed person trying to live out this new baptized God-centered life and you've shaken things up. Now, the people that were around and that knew the normal old you, normal old Joel, man, I don't, you've, man, what's different, man? You've changed. Anybody ever heard that before? <laughs> you've changed. Usually it's, some, usually it's somebody, not always, usually it's somebody that's mad at you because it was less about you changing and more to do with you messed up their agenda. So here's the guy, blind man, he's never seen in his entire life, greatest day of his life, nobody's there to tell and Jesus comes along and he says, here's the deal. You're healed. This is awesome. You thought this was the greatest day of your life. And then let me, let me tack on a little bit extra. Let me tack on a little bit extra. You're looking actually for true salvation. It's good to be able to see. I'm going to give you, I'm not just going to give you eyes to see right now and all these trees and these, and these people and, this, and the city you live in. I'm not just going to give you eyes for that. I'm going to give you eyes to see the truth of the kingdom right in front of you. Here I am. And he introduces himself. Jesus introduces himself. Greatest day of his life. And what, what giving up appearances does is it exchanges the, the, the stuff that was in the way now for genuine, authentic relationships. But oftentimes it, it, it'll, it, can, it can mess some things up at the same time. It can, Jesus came to bring peace Yes, he said that, but he also said he came to bring a sword. He didn't mean like a sword to, he didn't mean a sword he's going to go run around and kill everybody. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't even carry a sword. A couple of his disciples carried swords. He didn't carry a sword. In fact, when somebody came at him with a sword, he allowed them to lead him to a cross to be crucified. And so there's an exchange and so when you, when you decide to give up appearances, there's an exchange, a relational exchange. And sometimes it's disruptive. But the trade-off is genuine, authentic, real relationship. So really the question is, what, what is real vision worth? What is real sight worth? What is real freedom worth? Is it worth exposing inauthentic relationships? in order to gain genuine community? Is it worth losing the familiar in order to gain the eternal? What's it worth? The second one is this. We give up appearances in exchange for a renewed purpose. John chapter 9, verse 6, earlier, Jesus says, He's talking to the blind man. He says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. So the, 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 the picture here is a man who's already been through it all. He's already been through it all. And now he's got to walk through town with this spit mud on his face. 
He's already at the bottom of the, of the societal totem pole. <laughs> he's already there. And now he's going to walk through. And it wasn't like he didn't know what had just happened. We don't have any idea what this guy was thinking. He, he, he must not have known much about Jesus. He knew his name, but he didn't really know anything else. Because later on, he says he didn't really have an idea who healed him, just that what his name was. But John layers in meaning for us in this text. There's so many layers to this passage. The saliva from the mouth of God, that's gross to think about, isn't it? We're not talking about sanitary Jesus. We're talking about real Jesus. The saliva from the mouth of God mixed with the dirt from the ground creates something from nothing. Can you think back when there was another occasion where that occurred, where God spoke and from the mouth of God, mixed with the dirt in the ground, something is created. What's created? New creation. Adam and Eve are created. Humanity is created from the mouth of God and the dirt in the ground. Here we get a picture of renewed healing, renewed creation, which means a renewed purpose and a renewed destiny. In other words, God's purpose is better than any kind of significance that you and I can come up with. Here's a guy walking down the street with mud pies on his eyes. But is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it too lowly for him? Is it, it isn't beneath him? He doesn't care that it isn't the best seat in the house, that it's not the highest position at the job site, that it's not the highest salary compared to all the others, that it isn't significant or important or sexy, stylish enough for him. He doesn't give a thought to any of those things. Why? Why? Because he was blind, but now he can see. There's a reason Jesus says his kingdom is different than everybody else's. It's an upside-down kingdom. Where the first is last, the last is first, where the, where, the, where the important are given lowly positions and the unimportant end up at the top. And so the question is, what, what is a new purpose worth to you? Is it worth being looked down on at times? Is it worth a less recognized position? Is it worth less pay? Is it worth fewer accolades? Is it worth your reputation or worth getting stalled out on your climb to success because you had to be honest rather than take a shortcut? Is genuine purpose worth walking around through town with what looks like mud on your face to everybody else, but really is the raw beginnings of real vision? Is that what it's worth? Is it worth it? Giving up appearances in exchange for real purpose. The Pharisees did not change their opinion of Jesus and the blind man. I don't know how his parents felt, but his parents put all the weight on him. I don't know how the neighbors and the other beggars felt, but they rejected him too. He had gotten kicked out, and yet all of it was worth it. Why? For this great exchange. Last one is this. We give up appearances in exchange for being forgiven. Jesus heard they threw him out. When he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he? Tell me so that I might believe in him. And Jesus said, you've seen him now. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. And so then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The man born blind says, 
well, I'm already here. I might as well keep going. I'm already here. I might as well keep going. And so he worships him. So Jesus doesn't leave the guy there. He doesn't, he's been kicked out of the synagogue. He doesn't leave us in our sin, but he forgives us fully. He forgives us fully. I mean, it's, it's hard to confess when we're wrong, isn't it? Anybody, anybody gotten to a point now where you're just like, man, when I'm wrong now, I, it's so easy. I just apologize to everybody. I just tell them I'm just, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But you're like, for real, you're genuine about it. It's not sarcastic. No, none of us are. None of us are there. Oh, it's so easy. Just go around and just confessing. It's hard to confess when we're wrong. I don't care who you are. But that's how we get healing. That's how we get healing. James 5 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. There's a psalm where David talks about the weight of sin on his life. He talks about how miserable he was while he hid these secrets, this secret part of his life from God. It's Psalm 32. You don't have it, so I just want to read it to you. You can turn there if you'd like, but it's not on the screen. Psalm 32 says this. This is David writing. He says, count yourself lucky. How happy you must be you get a fresh start. Your slate's wiped clean. Count yourself lucky. God holds nothing against you, and you're holding nothing back from him. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up, and then I let it out. I said, I'll come clean about my failures to God. And then suddenly the pressure was gone and my guilt dissolved and my sin disappeared. What, what is it? What is it to give up appearances? Giving up appearances is your first step toward a genuine, authentic life with God. And so this morning, when we talk about giving up, we're talking about giving up the things that we hold dear and that we've held on to in exchange for something genuine, something real that, that requires of us and yet the trade-off isn't fair at all because the gift is so good. The reward is so good. So I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. We've, we've gone through this. We've gone through uh, this gospel text this morning in John chapter 9, and, 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 and we see this picture of Jesus healing a blind man who was blind from birth, and, and, and nobody receives it because it's not done right, it's not done in the right way, and it's not, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. And yet somehow, somehow it's still Jesus. It's still Jesus. And so maybe, maybe for you this morning, you see the exchange between Jesus and the blind man, and you see the pressure and the toll that keeping up appearances has made on you. And maybe you recognize your need for a renewed, honest life. 
or, or maybe like the Pharisees and the parents and everybody else, you're keeping up appearances and it's become the single greatest divider between you and an honest walk with God. And today, you want to do the same thing David did in that psalm, which was come clean. He said, then I let it all out. I said, I'll come clean about my failures to God. And suddenly the pressure was gone. The guilt dissolved. The sin disappeared. And so if that's you this morning, that's your prayer. It's just, I'm tired of keeping appearances and it's time to give them up. That's your prayer this morning. It's a, it's a simple prayer. It's an honest prayer. But there's nobody looking this morning. It's just a confession between you and God. I'm the only one with my eyes open. So just as a confession prayer, if that's you this morning, I'm tired of keeping appearances. It's time to, keep, it's time to give them up. Whatever that means for you, you know what that means for you as a confession. Would you just do this? Would you just raise your hand real, real high and you put it back down? Yeah. Yeah. It's a confession. I'm tired of... I'm tired of keeping up appearances. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm t- I didn't realize how heavy this weight was. Anybody else? I didn't realize how heavy this weight was. Or maybe you're here and you recognize that keeping up appearances is keeping you from, you know, a renewed purpose. It's keeping you from a renewed purpose. And and if you want prayer this morning for courage to give up appearances, to walk with with, with new vision and purpose this morning, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I I need renewed purpose, renewed purpose. Yeah. Father, this morning, um, God, your word, your word that you bring to us is always strong, it's always powerful, it's always true, but God, it also can be uncomfortable. It's also uncomfortable because you're always calling. You're always calling us higher, and you're always calling us deeper. And so this morning, we hear your call today. God, we recognize that you're active today. You didn't just have a mission a long time ago and then, and then leave and just leave us to ourselves so that we can checkmark a box of spiritual obligations. Like, well, I did that, I did that, I did that. God, you don't give us spiritual obligations. You give us a life to live in you. And so, God, I thank you this morning for those that are making the exchange this morning. Lord, for genuine relationship rather than these inauthentic relationships. God, for genuine purpose, a renewed purpose. God, an exchange for life with you. God, I pray for courage to those that are in this room. Lord, I pray for new vision, new vision, a recognition, God, of who you are and how great you are. We receive your grace this morning. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a great word, truly. Uh, I was thinking about it, man, appearances it's thick in culture and it's everywhere you breathe it's everywhere you are it's in every single thing it's just keeping up appearances and it's really cool to look in scripture and go uh you know it's not a new thing 
Now, the Facebook like was a new thing, and it has ruined everything. However, <laughs> it is, it's not a new thing, and, and Jesus addressed that even from way back when. And what, what good questions to pose. Man, if I give that up, intentionally give that up, look what, what God has in, in store, and it's so much better uh, than what culture is offering. Anyway, great word. Uh, Thank you for coming to worship with us this morning. If it's your first time here at Four Corners Church, we are so glad that you chose to be with us this morning. Um, if it is your first time and you'd like to fill out a connection card, which is in the worship guides on the chairs, I'd love the opportunity just to write you a note thanking you for being here today. Uh, those of you who attend Four Corners Church regularly, this is also a way for you to connect with us and how you might... Uh, serve or get involved in a group. You can also check Mark if you haven't been to Next Steps and you want us to um, to put you on the list for next week. You can do that here as well. All those options are also online. So if you're ever scrolling through our website, you can do all the things here. You can also do it on the website. But we would love the chance uh, to reach out to you personally and, um, and connect you where you need to be connected. Also, on the back of these connection cards are Ask God thank God. So if you've got a prayer request you need us to be praying with you about, please let us know. You can fill that out and drop it off in the drop box right before you exit the auditorium. And uh, hey, I want to tell you thank you. Those who so faithfully give generously to our church, I want to say thank you for doing that. God loves a cheerful giver. And so many of you are, are not just giving out of obligation. You are so uh, you're so overwhelmed with gratitude on what God has done for you, and it just flows out of everything uh, you say and you do and the way that you give. Uh, we're able to do services on Sunday mornings. We're able to give to local missionaries at UAH. We can do classes, next step classes, kids classes, outreaches. All of that is because of your faithful giving. And so I want you to know it's not just going in some you know, weird little bucket that we, no, we're, we're, we're using it to further the kingdom here inside these walls and out there as well. So thank you for giving. If you would like to give to God through our local church, you can do that online by texting the number that's on the screen, or you can fill out an offering envelope. I believe some of them are in worship guides. There are also some in the back by the drop box, but, um, but thank you. Thank you for so faithfully uh, giving. Great. Would you guys stand up with me this morning? I want to pray for you. Uh, altar prayer team, if you guys would come forward, I want to pray for you and then dismiss you. Uh, if you, ha if you uh, have specific prayer this morning that you would like prayer for, we have a, a team of people that would love to pray with you. Uh, we are a praying church. We believe that God hears and answers prayer. And so uh, as we dismiss and, and people are talking and hanging out and leaving and all the stuff, we want to pray with you up here. And so I want to invite you to do that uh, if you have a, a specific prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. Hey, would you hold your hands out like this? Let me pray a blessing over you. Now may the God who gave up his one and only son in order to receive many sons and daughters, may he exchange for you your heavy heart and the heavy burdens of life that have been placed on you, and instead may he place on you his wonderful gift of peace that comes from faith in Christ. May you walk, receive and walk this week in true peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. We'll see you all this next week.